From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 354. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Moo. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hey, Mike Hurley. How are you today? I'm fine. Totally fine. Mm, are you sure? Yeah, like recovering. Because I don't. I think just so we're clear, y'all just heard from us a couple of days ago when we were in the same room, and now we are back in mm-hmm. our own rooms. And for some of us, that's a much longer trip than others. So I always worry about you on this episode. Like, are you actually upright and functional? Pretty much. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I got home yesterday morning. Uh, I was in the airport for seven hours, mm, which was fun. Yeah. But that was fine. I just sat down, watched WrestleMania, and I was good to go, man. Like, I that was kind yeah. of all I needed on that day. Uh, but yeah, and then it was like a long flight, but it was good because I got some sleep on the plane. So I actually... I wasn't, and I haven't been like jet lag tired, just like jet lag disorientated. I would say is the way that I am right yeah. now. Um, but if you are yeah. listening to this and you're thinking, "Hey, where's the live episode?" Because we do release these rather more closer together than usual. Uh, it's episode three hundred and fifty-three. It'll be in our show notes, along with a link to an episode of another show that I do called Ungeniest, um, which is a show about weird and wonderful Wikipedia articles. And we recorded one of those, uh, me and Stephen Hackett, before uh, the pen show. So, like the, <laughs> the pen up, the, the pen addict episode at Atlanta. So, this is another thing there that you might enjoy that we recorded also while we were there. Because if uh, you bring an audience to us, we'll put a show in front of you that you weren't expecting. That is, that is the ingenious guarantee. And I love it. I I love it that way. So I I won't spoil that episode. But I I didn't. I'm not sure if I made the point. Um, at the time you recorded it, but did you realize all of the sports we discussed were UK based? No, I didn't. Mm. It, that actually so, wasn't something a, to a think theme about until uh, later. We didn't realize that until later on, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, but it's definitely something to consider. We did, and the Hackets were there because we had a video taken care of. Um, they worked through some super weird technical issues to get the video shot. They were like really running around at the end because the cameras were overheating. I don't know if you <laughs> caught like the frantic movement that started to occur. I, I saw hand signals yeah. coming from Stephen was uh, staged right in front of us, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see his face. Um, then I saw the hands start flying and numbers start to pop up. And I asked him afterwards, and he was like, "Yeah, that's how many how many minutes I have until like the camera catches on fire." Yep. So they were doing some incredible camera judo. Like you could, it's good that they're brothers, right? Because they were able to work together, <laughs> right? Like in a non-verbal way, they could just understand each other. It was kind of funny. Um, it, like at one point, Stephen texts me and he's like, "Look, don't want to worry you, but I just want to know how long you've got left." <laughs> yeah, so like, I'm I'm cribbing I'm cribbing off Mike's a- iPad for the show notes, and then all of a sudden texts start coming in. I'm like, and I didn't read the text because I didn't want to like stare at the iPad and while I was on camera, but I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, so this was a new this was a new technical thing that we dealt with, um, but there was no problem with the video. Uh, there there no. just might be more cuts than usual towards the end, we'll see, but they're working on that now. I reckon within the next couple of weeks, we'll have the video version and you can hear all about it, and if you're a Kickstarter backer, you'll get contacted about it. Um, if, you know, if not, you'll hear about it on the show if you missed the Kickstarter update, so... Yep, yep. I'll definitely send out an email with the link, uh, you know, password protected kind of private link for all the Kickstarter backers. But uh, as always, I can't wait. I'm deciding if I... This is one of the shows that I usually re-listen to because I I usually miss it, which we'll talk about later, like during the show. I don't remember anything that Mm -hmm. happens, so I'll always re-listen and then re-watch this one later. 
but we have more Atlanta Pen Show stuff that we want to talk about later on because it was still like a whole other day that we didn't get to talk about, which included, mm-hmm. I think, a bunch. It, it, this usually Brad's shopping day uh, on yeah, Sunday. So it turned out to be that the case. Go. But we have some other stuff, including some interesting follow up. So a couple of weeks ago, Brad had a fever dream and asked the question: <laughs> Can a can a Lamy Safari be arushied? Can you arushi a Lamy Safari? Well, can you? We're going to find out. Um, that's the experiment that uh, Jonathan Brooks of the Carolina Pin Company, uh, he has accepted the task. He has a Lamy Safari from me and a Lamy AL Star from Anna, and he's going to see what happens. Like He's going to test this out to see if it works. Um, even if it does work, I'm not sure it's a good decision. <laughs> you know, it may, yeah, it may work. Like I could arushi my finger, but that's probably a bad idea, right? So we're gonna check this out and see what happens. You know, I'm just, I think he's got a lot of prep work to do before we he even starts on like the lacquering process. So I think if if we can actually make it to the lacquering process, we're probably to the good. But um, I'm a little bit concerned that we will even get there with either of yeah. these pen models. Yeah, I had a really good conversation with Jonathan about how Yerushi stuff. Like he was showing me some pens that he was working on, like some stuff that like he'd been given, like put Yerushi on this, right? Like not just the mm-hmm. Lambie Safari, but some other stuff. And I was like talking to him, like, how do you not interrupt like the feed? Uh, not the the um. The cap, like what the I always forget the mm-hmm. name of the what the what the rings that the cap screws onto threads. Yeah, threads. How do you yeah, not yeah, like yeah. interrupt that stuff? Like, how do you build up smoothly, right? Like onto the pen, so like it's not just this harsh drop off. So it was really interesting to talk to him. If he manages to do this in however long it's going to take him to do it, we have to have him back on the show to talk about it because I think the, it will be fascinating. Like, I'm really intrigued to be like, how does he deal with the ink window? Right. Right. So, yeah, like we were looking at where the on the safari where the cap connects is like the only physical contact point mm-hmm. from the cap to the barrel. And as he was, we were going over that. It was like, well, we'll just have to leave it kind of natural or yep. else the cap will never see, yep. you know, and and the layers, you know, change diameters, you know, like are things going to fit as they used to. So, yeah, it's a it's an ordeal. Like this is just one of those weird things that happened and Jonathan's up for testing stuff out like this, which is, um, I mean, it's work for him, but it's fun for me. So I'm yeah, all well, aboard. It was, it was fun to, I was like, I was asking him like, well, how are you going to do it? And he's like, I don't know yet. We'll see. And I like, mm-hmm. I really like that. He's just like, I've never done it before. Uh, I'll just give it a, I'll work on it and we'll just see what happens. So it's, it's yep. super interesting. He's a mad genius scientist. Uh, yep. He had a great show too. It looked like his table was completely swarmed the whole time for good reason. Yep. Um, yep. But you are a weirdo mm. and offered up quite the safari for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. so can you, what is it called? Is it concrete? Was that- I think it's called, I, I tried to f- find a good link for you this morning so we could put it in the show notes because I knew this topic would come up. I call it Oyster Gray. The, main name that i saw online was griso um g-r-i-s-o what the real official this is such an old model and such a rare model that i couldn't find much information on it so yeah i but this is one of my most used safaris like this is practically like my beater safari that i use more than any other safari so why shouldn't i use this one 
Well, but like, why do you use it more than any other Safari? I don't know. I just I find it interesting. <laughs> well, right now you're going to lose all of that, right? No, it's still under there. I still know what it is. It's still special to me. Hmm. You know, I like the Chartreuse ones or all those other limited editions that came out all at the same time. Those are boring. Like, and then I like the Smurf one, you know, the blue one with the red clip. I don't want to hide that one. Like, I enjoy using that one right. and it looks good as it is. The Griso Gray is actually pretty boring. Sure. In general, it just happens to be considered one of the rare ones like there's you know like i wouldn't do it to like a terracotta orange or you know the original green whichever the green that came out at the same time as terracotta i'd never do that but this one's just kind of like in this no man's land of of safaris and i use it i like it and you know it's it's cool like i i wasn't for some reason i i had no interest in giving him like a petrol or a dark lilac not that i wanted to keep them it just didn't seem interesting enough like this I don't know. It seemed like the right choice to me. Yeah. On our next episode, you'll be able to hear about Brad's process for wrapping uh, Christmas wrapping paper around a butcher orange field notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I, I have a uh, I have a butcher blue notebook in an envelope right now that's going to someone whenever I address it. Damn. Yeah. That's what a are you gonna do? Story. Graffiti on it. Send it back to you. Just paint sure. it with like black paint. Uh, send it back. That's a, I don't care what they. Oh, uh, yeah. I, speaking of black paint, I my uh my very very black Stuart simple ink uh, backed on Kickstarter. So I'll, I'll paint something black with that when it comes in. Good. Maybe um, a butcher butcher orange or something. I do understand what you're saying though, right? Like it, it is interesting that you did choose a rare one, but it's not like you just picked that one out of your collection. Like if it's one that you actually use, then I kind of understand yeah. it. It's like got some miles on it, so you want to treat it. Like I get it. Yep. Yeah, um, that that safari is the one that's on my desk all the time and right. in use. Then you've chose the right one. That's your one. Yep. Right? That's your safari. Yep. And now you're basically like promoting it. I don't know. Like you're ordaining it. Like this is, is something, right? Like it's the it's right. the safari that's going to be worth. I don't know. It's going to like ten times in value because of this. <laughs> well, you said it right. This is my safari. Like yeah. I have you know, six or eight safaris, this is the safari I use. Mm-hmm. So why not? It, sh- it should be this one. There, to me, there was no other choice. It, it wasn't even a question. There was a little uh, uh, thing I saw rolling around some tables um, during the Atlanta <laughs> Pen Show, which was a pair of orange six-sided die. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? So we also did a thing where we tempted uh, Mr. Brooks to make some dice out of acrylics just as a tester because we at knock have been asked to make dice bags for years and years and years, which are a very, you know, reasonably simple thing to manufacture. Um, just make them in knock style. I was like, well, if we're going to do dice bags, we need some cool, cool dice to go along with them. Hey, Jonathan, you know, these like the extra acrylic you have laying around, that's probably waste. Can you make some dice out of it? So I saw him, I think Thursday night, he, reached in his pocket and handed me a pair of dice. So he said, this, this, you know, it's his first, first pass at them. They're, you know, a little rough around the edges. He knows. And, um, uh, but they're so good. I kept them in my pocket all weekend long. It's kind of like now just kind of like my, my pocket fidget toy. So they're very cool. We'll see if this yep. becomes a thing. So I that would to. be great. And I, I want a full set, a full D and D set is what I want. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, what the steps are to make like D twenties and mm-hmm. things like that. I think that could be, you know, nightmarish for the yeah, hardware that he actually has, but, yeah. uh, 
this is at least a reasonable start and I am more interested be possible. in you making me a dice bag than dice though. Right? Because like okay. what I want is a really nice dice bag. Like the dice is like a, you definitely should do it. But like just me personally, I have a bunch of really nice dice. But what I don't yeah. have is a good bag to put them in that I like okay. that fits my aesthetic, right? So like I'm excited right. about a Notco uh dice bag. I mean of course I will buy any dice that Jonathan makes because the materials are going to be so bananas to look at. Uh, right. But like, I think the top thing for me is I really want to not code nice ba- uh, dice bag. Yep. We're working on it. So my field notes mile marker came in while I was away. Okay. It's a great addition. It was interesting. I yep. saw Stevens. He brought his. And uh, something that was interesting was the, you know, like the, the, the shiny part, like the little kind of what do you call it? Like the little kind of treatment. The reflective, reflective yeah. treatment. Yeah. On his, the registration was off. Hmm. So like, I, didn't, I, should, I didn't see him. Yeah. It didn't line up perfectly. It wasn't by a lot, but like you could, you could see it. Um, mm-hmm. But on mine, it's perfect. Uh, I love this yeah. edition. Um, one set has already gone to a DNA. I was like, oh, that looks great. I was like, good, take one. <laughs> right. Because I don't need two sets of them. Um, yeah. I think this is a, just a true classic field notes. Big, big fan. Yeah, like um, y- you wrote like impressions like in the, in the show note. Mm-hmm. And I said, really great, super traditional, everything I want field notes to be. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be everyone's favorite edition. It'll know. It probably won't be in like top 10 all time, but it's just a really strong field notes edition. Like it's what they do best in yep. my opinion. This is a very me edition because I am more of a traditionalist and and generally they they manufacture that way but i just felt like i don't know it was just very strong addition i i'd I'd love it so i used mine for a few days the weekend before the pin show i was at a all weekend baseball tournament so that was my notebook carried in my back pocket boiled up well does really good with pencils and ballpoint which is what i used it for did you get the map yeah Mm mm-hmm that map is killer. It looks like it's cool. the, it looks like the London Tube map. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. It, which is so beautiful, and it's also got like a bunch of games on it and cool information. I need to really look into it a little bit more than I did, but that map mm-hmm. is super cool. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Like Va- uh, Van S at the show was selling maps as a standalone. Like they were able to order just like maps as a standalone well, product. You can also sold, so. actually buy from them yep. a poster as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is it's expensive, um, yeah. But I just kind of like I'd kind of ra- rather rather hang the funky folded map up, right? Me That's kind too. Of like the thing, yes. right? Yeah. That's we don't like these things. Like my kids won't know what a map like this is, right? Like I will have to explain to them what this is, mm-hmm. right? They just don't grow up seeing these things. So I'd rather have like the the old, you know, unfold it once and never get it back to shape again map you know to for them to play around with and, and check out so yeah i, I think just, it's great i think the visual design of it is, is genius making it look like a, a subway map this is really <laughs> it's just a really clever way to do it It just because look no one's going to actually be following this right to like work no. out where to go so just to show know, brian like, well our good friend brian he might would you put it past him i would worry for him <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, a resourceful lad, Michael. Yes, so do you want to? We got some follow up actually via honor about the uh, how they did the road sign. Yeah, because I was questioning uh, the 
either we could call it the stealthness or the legality mm-hmm. <laughs> of Brian's work or the uh, movie after effects of Brian's work. But I put the question to Anna because I know she talks to Brian pretty frequently. I said, hey, ask him what he did with this sign. So here's the answer from Brian. I probably shouldn't say more than every effort was made to do it as legally and safely as possible, given our resources and time frame. That is, I, honestly, I would be happy with that as the full answer, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but there is more. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was a real and very, very large sign on a real road with that exact message on it, and everyone driving by saw it. We figured if a field nut drove by, no one would believe them. And if they took a cell phone photo, it would have glitched because of the refresh rate. Ha ha. <laughs> so he sent us a picture of uh, of them actually, you know, before the, the sign uh, was in, in full functionality. Um, I guess, you know, they would have to film it to to maintain the refresh rate. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a great. I, I mean, that's what I expected, right? Mm-hmm. It was like Brian's up to something and he's only going to tell you so much. And that's how he leaves it. So it's yep. pretty great, right? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's very clever. They did it in a good way. And I love that it's real. I love that they actually did it. That's brilliant. It's for real. Yeah. It's for real. So, yeah, that was great. So thanks, Brian, for giving us all, all the details. I, I, I love these little tidbits. Like, mm-hmm. they have really fun at their job. So I, I, and, it, and it shows in the product. Just another exclusive from the Pen Attic Podcast. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> breaking news speaking of breaking news this isn't exactly breaking it was probably like a week or two ago but it's about to break in five days that sailors prices are increasing mike were you aware of this before i mentioned it to you no yeah it didn't seem to be making much news in our circles um because it's not a huge increase although it kinda is like what I want to let me read the details the short version of this let's see Sailor Pens has just announced its first across the board price increase in many years with new prices going into effect on April 15th um, there's roughly 10 to 15 percent price increases across their product line mm-hmm. so okay I mean 10%, 15%. So what the pro gears are like 200, 220. Yeah. So and the slims are like 140 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes me even more want to buy the standard instead of the slims. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I, I don't think this is like a, well, let's hold slow, slow the roll on sailor, but it depends on like what the next one is. Like when Pelican did their, their price shuffling, they made like three changes up and down in the span of like three to four years, and it just confused people. I don't recall Sailor having a price change since we've been doing this, and like they said, what did they say? It was like the first one in like five years or something. Mm-hmm. So it's probably time. I mean, I guess it's expected, but there. I also, and I don't know this for a fact, but we're obviously... Uh, it's a confirmation bias on on our part that we see more Sailor these days just because it seems like they're doing a good job and they're as popular as ever. But I also know that within the past three or four years, they were close to bankruptcy. So it's probably a decision they just had to make at some point, you know, for the long-term benefit of the company. I have no problem with it. Yeah. The price, it's not a, if 25% would be 
like a painful jump. If 10%, hmm, it's okay. It's like if I pay $200 for a pro gear, would I pay $220 for the same pen? Yeah, I would because mm-hmm. they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this happens. This stuff will happen, right? Like economics change around the world and sometimes companies have to increase their prices. I think that they're doing a fair amount. They could probably get away with it a little bit more if they wanted to, but it seems mm-hmm. like they're being pretty conservative with it. Yeah, so we'll see what the the final result is on the most popular lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, those are more on the ten percent, and then things like the Rialos are more like the fifteen percent. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I also made the note that um, Pilot could take advantage of this, but I doubt that they will. You know, Pilot's nine twelve lineup is the perfect Pro Gear competitor, and they just could not have less interest <laughs> in going up against them yeah. at all. Like just no concept of that price point in the market as, as being like kind of a hot area and they're just going to keep doing whatever they're doing, I guess. But I thought like, this is kind of the perfect, perfect opportunity for that, but whatever. All right. I'm very excited, Brad, because this episode of the show is brought to you by Moo. Moo is an online print and design company who offer a variety of premium print products, including business cards, postcards, notebooks, and more, delivering to happy customers all over the world. Networking is an important part of any career, whether you're a designer, a podcaster, a novelist, a blogger, or a CEO. And you don't want to get caught out by not having a business card with you at that important moment, where you can be prepared to show your creativity and wow the person that you're giving that card to by having your cards made with Moo. Great design is at the heart of what Moo does, and there's nothing like a slick, well-made business card. Not only are they super easy to design and order, Moo business cards also have extra special touches like gold foiling or spot gloss. They have thick, textured paper, all of this stuff allowing your artwork and your card to really stand out, giving you uh, everything that you need for a high-quality, memorable business card. It's great to see your hard work on a screen. Sometimes it's even nicer to hold it in your hand. I have some Moo business cards. I've, I had some before. I just ordered some new ones. Um, and I got rounded corners, which I think is super great. A bunch of different colors. Um, so like I have like one side which has all my information, and that's just like the Relay FM blue. And then on the other side, I have like I just wanted to use a bunch of different colors, and I can do that really easily. You can have multiple images even in the same order, which I think is fantastic. But I also got what I love. I love this about Moo. I've got these cards before where they kind of sandwich it uh, with a color in between. Um, I think mm-hmm. that looks really great. So your cards end up having this, like they're super thick, so they feel really professional, but have this great color in the middle. Um, you can count on Moo to help you make a great first impression. Whether you need business cards for a meeting, customized flyers for an upcoming event, or even stickers, greeting cards, notebooks, and postcards. Moo's notebooks are available in soft and hardcover. You can customize them with your brand if you're ordering 50 or more. Their hardcover books have a tough tactile cloth cover, and, so- and their soft cover notebooks are lightweight with sewn binding. These are amazing, by the way. They sent me both the hardcover and the soft cover book, um, and I'm using the hardcover notebook for I'm playing Dungeons and dragons right now and it's my D book um mm. what i really love about it is the cover is not stuck to the spine it's just stuck right. to the back so when you open it up you can have it all lay flat it's a very clever design that i i mean i hadn't seen that anywhere before um and i think that it's really great i was genuinely really pleased and surprised at just how good their notebooks are so 
that they're definitely, definitely worth checking out. They have a collaboration with the graphic designer Kate Morales as well at the moment. Whatever you need, Moo have got you covered with their easy customization options. And you can get 15% off your order right now when you go to Moo.com and use the promo code PRINT15 at checkout. That is M-O-O.com and the code P-R-I-N-T-1-5. PRINT15 at checkout to get 15% off your order and serial support for this show. Our thanks to Moo for their support of the Pan Addict and all of Relay FM. Moo, let's get physical. Whoa. Yeah. I was pretty excited when you, you dropped this on me a couple months ago. It's like, we got Moo coming to the podcast. I was like, yes, this is going to be great because, number one, their notebooks are they shocked the stationary world when they they launched them. I think it's been close to two years now. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it was before last year, and they were so good. The paper quality was great. The they price were sold was out great. forever, right? Because they, they were like s- such a surprise to everybody. Yep. So now they've grown and expanded that lineup. Um, Fifty units for custom logo is a pretty low number when it comes to printing. So that's pretty good if you're looking into that for your business or something like that. So yeah, I'm going to look into this further. Um, I need to update my business cards. Um, so I might look into that. So yeah, this is really good. I'm Very Thank you, Moo, for uh, jumping aboard uh, the, the Pen Addict podcast. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get some of these notebooks in my hand, the, the refreshed lineup that mm-hmm. they have including the soft covers which i've never tried i've only tried the hard cover really good it's really good they do colors on the inside too it's very nice yep all right so what else did you buy at the atlanta pen show i will say i didn't buy anything else for me i bought the mm-hmm. actually everything i said on the show is everything that i purchased so my king of pen and the pilot 101st anniversary the yellow color um, yes that's all i bought at the pen show i was i want don't want to say i'm restrained because I bought a king of pen, <laughs> but I at least right. stuck to my guns, right? I was mm. going into this show buying one pen or another, and they're about the same price. So I was proud of myself on that one. Yeah, so... Oh, I also so, bought... I also bought... I did buy a gift, as Jesse in the chat room mm. is reminding me. Um, I bought one of uh, Julia Scott's uh, octopus mugs from... Mm. The, she has a company called Semi-Cool Ceramics. And that was a, I didn't want to talk about it on the episode because it was a gift for my wife, Adina, um, because she, we've always spoken about getting one of her mugs. And I was like, haha, I will get one. Uh, I absolutely <laughs> love, like, just adore Julia's work. Um, mm-hmm. Julia is also the host on Make Do on Relay FM. Um, and so, yeah, you should go and check these out. They're really um, excellent stuff. And hopefully, uh, we've, people, including me, have been trying to, uh, twist her arm about maybe trying to get a table at next year's Atlanta Pen Show. Uh, so I think the Pen Addict listeners I know. Should, should be uh, bugging her about that too. Yep, yep. So um, that they are so cool. They're mm-hmm. beyond cool. So yeah, we've already talked about, you know, getting her to ship me stuff ahead of time so she doesn't have to travel with yep. ceramics, which could be a nightmare. So yeah. Um, real quick before I get into the few other things that I picked up, still going strong with the king of pen any any more thoughts on that i mean it's you already have one it's fantastic it's just such a good pen it's glorious I'm, I'm, mm. i adore it um it's ridiculous um in every possible way i got a broad nib on this one which is like a very different feeling experience than a medium that i have on my pro gear king of pen like it, mm-hmm. it's very very different which i love um i found a way brad to explain 
Did I explain? Did I give my explanation of the King of Pen on the episode, or did I just say that about like if you were in a room mm. with a, like Harry Potter and Hagrid? Did I talk about this? I, yes, yeah. uh, we've talked about that. Whether it was on that show, I definitely remember the story. I'm pretty sure I don't it was, know on if the it was show. at the bar. Yeah, yeah, I haven't like, rebuffed yet, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, but like it's if in case I didn't, I'll just reiterate like the King of Pen. It's almost like a prop if you were trying to make yeah. somebody look small because they're in a room of a giant. <laughs> Yep, it is uh, abnormally large, but somehow just right. And uh, that's what's always confused mm-hmm. me about them. So the one pen that I picked up on Sunday that I didn't have a chance to talk about on the podcast was the one pen on my list, which was a Leonardo Memento fountain pen. I chose the Hawaii model for its stunning, uh, kind of swirly, stripy acrylic and I bought this one from the Nibsmith, and I, it comes with a steel nib. I got an extra fine nib. One of the great things about purchasing something from Dan is he will check and tune the nib if necessary. So this thing writes amazingly. Um, their steel nibs have a little bit of give in them, so it's a softer. Like I would, for my writing style, this extra fine with a little bit of give is perfect. I would not want to go to a fine nib for me. If you like a fine line or if you write small, extra fine is more than enough. Like that's maximum width for me um, because it's not a hard nail like a Twisby or something like that. This has a little bit of variance in the line, which makes it look beautiful. I inked it up with Jonathan Brooks Carolina Blue. It's kind of the perfect color match. The finish and shape and feel of the pen are perfect. If you are obsessive about your acrylic stripes lining up, you do not want this pen because there's not one section of this pen that <laughs> that jives with the next section of the pen. Like it's got a blind cap. I'm really pleased is... you mentioned it because I looked at that pen of yours and I didn't want to say it at the time in mm-hmm. case, I don't know, like you just didn't want me to say it, but there's no way I, mm-hmm. I could live with a pen like that. Every <laughs> part of it was, was unmatched. It was It drove me bonkers. So I'm taking off the cap, right? And I'm looking at the pen. So there's four distinct sections. Um, There's the grip section. There's the threaded section. There's the pen barrel. And then there's the blind cap. Because it actually, it's a converter pen, but it's got the little blind cap. So you can unscrew that and twist the converter converter like a little fake uh, piston mechanism. So those four sections, none of them are, is the word congruent with the next? Like if they flow into that next section, they are all completely mismatched, right? And then you put the cap back on and even the section below the rings on the cap band do not match up with the cap itself. It's all over the damn place, which since it's so mismatched, it works for me. If it was close like it was almost supposed to be matched, but off, then I would have a problem. So it's completely off kilter all the way around from tip to tail. It does not (laughs) match at all, but I love it because it goes from bright blue to dark blue and there's some browns and whites in there. It's a really wild material. Now they do make some solid, more solid colors that won't have this type of issue. Um, There's actually an all black which I wasn't really interested in, in buying that. But like they have some yellow and some, they have a one group that's kind of more like a celluloid where it doesn't matter if it, you know, matches from piece to piece to piece where it's more consistent throughout the top to bottom of the pen. But yeah, I could see this being a problem 
for some people. But since this is so mismatched, it's kind of all works together in a weird way. But overall, I'm very happy with the pen. I think I paid $180. Um, I don't even know what the regular price is. I just picked this one up from Dan and asked to purchase it, and that's what he charged me. I don't know if I got a discount or that's that sounds about like regular price to me. So, um, but I did get Dan to um, you know, check out the nib and it. It writes so good. I'm very, very happy with this pen so far. So just a couple of days into it, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm using it today for show notes. It's great. Um, so that was, I bought that for me to add to the collection to eventually do a review on. So that was, um, that was, that was my pen. The rest of this stuff I bought to either specifically review or to give it away. So pen shows is a great place for me to just load up on review items and giveaway items so i bought the full set of the pilot 101st anniversary inks you know the little seven mini bottles so i bought a set of those i bought the new pilot 74 in burgundy they did two new translucent colors for that they did a burgundy and a teal i don't know if they're are they calling it burgundy it might be called wine or something like that but it's that red color it's really pretty um I bought a Studio Note Tomoe River notebook. I bought two Lamy Crystal fountain pen inks, one which I have a giveaway going on on the blog right now, one I'm going to keep in review. And aside from that, I guess there were some smaller... I bought several little notebooks. Um, Life had some new notebooks that I bought. I bought a Caveco Perkio. They have some new colors that came out. They have this red, white, and blue one that's really sharp looking. I bought that. Um, to review, um, I bought a new notebook from a company called Apuntes, which looks very interesting. So I'm going to check that out. So lots of those type of things. Um, one last thing that I purchased, which I forgot to write down till this morning, because I didn't actually buy it in the show. I bought it outside of the show, which actually happens a lot when you go, you know, when you have all your friends at a bar and there's like 50 people there who are all into fountain pens and there's all kinds of, you know, testing and trading and sampling going on. I was able to buy a Franklin Kristoff Pocket 66 Ghost, which is the white barreled that has light translucency in it that Franklin Kristoff does. So I bought a Pocket 45 last year from a friend and I love how that barrel looks when it's eyedroppered. So one of my friends, Sandra, who was here earlier and she was here at the show this weekend she had one for sale and i was like yes i will take that please so that's another cool thing about pen shows like if you're there more than the show hours you get to check out other people's stashes you know at night and sometimes those things are for sale a lot of people will bring things to sell at like the bar and we were sitting at the bar and we made a deal on the ghost and now it's mine so that's kind of a kind of a neat thing neat little additional bonus that uh, you can have at pen shows that are sometimes not talked about so that was uh i want to say it but it really wasn't because then you and i and tiff and Anna and Jeff and Pontus and Julia went shopping on Monday on the way oh, to the yeah. airport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I bought a bunch more stuff from a place called Archer Paper at um, Pont City Market in downtown Atlanta, which is a really neat shopping and food space. Um, so bought a bunch of pencils and, and paper goods. I did pick up the the new Extra Firm Blackwing pencils, which I had been wanting. So. Yeah, we did more stationary shopping after the pen show was done. So I ended up with all kinds of stuff. I was maxed out on the return trip home. Like I came with an empty bag 
and it was full by the time I came home and all my bags were packed to like to the hilt. So it was a very good show <laughs> from a stuff perspective. Yeah, you went a bit wild there at the end. It was super funny well, to me when we went to another stationery store and you just like spent a bunch of money in a stationery store. That was just hilarious. Yeah, I spent 70 more bucks at Archer Paper on Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pencils, notebooks, uh, clutch pencil. Uh, yeah, that was kind of about it. <laughs> oh, well, things happen, Mike. Like, I went, like, I used this show to kind of restock the the cupboards, not that they're ever bare, but uh, for review and giveaway items. Like, I bought, you know, the pens we talked about on the show, which I would review, of course, you know, the Matt Martin pen and the Mont Blanc M and the Leonardo Memento were all my pens, and the rest of this stuff will be other people's stuff eventually. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of... So sometimes... You, like, I don't have that opportunity at Baltimore to go around and, like, pick and choose all kinds of things. You know, I have to to work at the table. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we can segue this into, like, the overall shots on, thoughts of the show itself, yeah. you know? If you want to you wanna get us started on that, what do you? What were your thoughts? Um, this year was weird for me. Uh, it was, it was very, it just felt very different. It was an overall emotional, like drain, Mm -hmm. emotionally draining experience, um, for a bunch of really special reasons, uh, like professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. So like, it was very different. Um, part of that for sure was under, like kind of understanding that it was the fifth time that we'd have done this and just kind of seeing old friends and new friends. Um, it really made it, it kind of like brought to the forefront for me kind of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like a bunch of stuff where it's like a lot of these things that happen um, in our community don't match with a lot of the other stuff that I do you know, like mm-hmm. the outpouring of support and the way that the numbers kind of all shake out. It's like, you know, the amount of people we can get to come to a live show in the town, uh, the, the amount of support that we get on Kickstarter, the, all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's a very different feeling for me. So it was a great show, but I am emotionally, uh, <laughs> spent. This is easily, the all the feels show yes of the year for me i agree like it all comes out at this show for me it was definitely that way because i don't know there's so many like friends and family come to the show like Mm -hmm. um i mentioned it on the live show i work less at this show which is good um, as opposed to being like tied to the table, if I'm off, you know, somewhere by myself, I can get around a little easier at this show to see people and talk to people and spend time with people. A lot of times, you know, if I'm not at my table at a different show, it's because I'm running from one place to the other because I need to be back at the table here. I don't have to do that. So just the feel of that is great, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a good. This show has the best vibe. I don't know. It's because, I mean, and we're super biased, right? Because this is our most special event of the I year. Mean, it's our vibe. Right. 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 So just seeing all these people and just being able to hang out 
is just so cool. Like this show is just a blur by the time it's done, not just the the podcast, which I hardly remember any of them. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but um yeah, I just love this show. Like this show means so much like in my heart more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um there is business to be done and I do want to make a note of that. It was a slower show than usual this year business-wise and door receipts wise like people through the door wise and we figured out on sunday that this was the atlanta area's spring break time so i think that probably impacted the show so we called this one by the time we were done with sunday we had done about three quarters of what we normally do sales wise in atlanta and since atlanta is usually like our number one or number two sales show of the year Three quarters of that is pretty darn good. And like also, we had a really it, it good felt chef. less than three quarters busy. It felt less than three quarters busy for yeah. sure. And we so this show is one of the shows that moves on the calendar. Um, being in April in Atlanta, there's a couple of weekends that Jimmy, the show promoter, will not book for this show. One being Masters Weekend, which is this coming up weekend, and two being Easter Weekend, which is the following weekend. So he moves the show around those two weekends. So this one was earlier than normal and it just happened to be spring. My kids were on spring break last week. You know, this was kind of like the Georgia spring break time. So I, whether that was the real cause, but I kind of think it at least lines up. At least I'm telling myself that. Right. But, um, it was still good and busy, but it was, we never got run over like we sometimes do on Saturday at this show. Um, so, but overall it was okay. You know, we introduced a new case at knock a new, a new notebook at knock. And, um, you know, we talked about those on the, the previous episode, but, um, yeah, I just think it was, it was the, the timing maybe was it, if not, I don't know. The weather was great. It was a good, it was a good time to be in, in Atlanta. You know, the Braves were in town. A bunch of people picked up some Braves games while they were there. So, um, it was good. Podcast feedback has been exceptional. I need to go back and listen to it because I hardly remember any of it. Do you Do you have that problem? I know I say it all the time, uh, especially in a live episode. I really don't remember hardly anything that we discussed. Do you have that same issue that I do? I think so. Yeah. You know, it's not so much these episodes where we're talking to ourselves in our own home and yeah. like we've written we've written a more detailed show notes, or at least I I've been more you know, involved in. When we record right now, I'm I'm not typically coursing with adrenaline. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I never go back and listen to these shows because I feel like, okay, I know what I said. In that show, I have no concept what I said. I have no idea. This one's different because I have no idea what the look on my face is. Like, there's something we have to think about a couple of extra things that I don't have to talk about when I'm, or I don't have to concern myself with when I'm sitting here at my desk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have to make sure, like, our interviews flow and... You know, that everyone's, you know, mixing up the questions and everything's getting covered that are on our bullet points. But um, I thought Chris and Jesse um, did a fantastic yeah, job. They're great picks. You did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, I had been wanting to dig into their stories a little bit more. I thought they were super um, as guests. And as always, I think I said this to you after the show or after we finished that, I mean, this could be a three to four hour show without question. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my biggest problem. Like, you you even made fun of me one point about my rambling questions, and which is true. Like, 
That's just how I get because I just want to know more. I want to sit there and pick these people's brains for like hours. Um, you asked me at one point, even before we had the guests, like I was talking about how much I love this crowd and everything. And it's like, you know, you're like, don't cry on me. You're not losing it now. And I was like, no, no, I wasn't even close. But I will say, I'm going to go back. I can't wait to see the video. One point when Jesse was talking, I almost lost it. Like when we were talking, uh, you know, about being her, being a female in a male dominated industry and just how much she like crushed the answer to that yeah, question. I was watching you. I, I started you. <laughs> to lose it. I was like, boy, I hope she keeps talking so I don't have to because it's not going to go well for me. <laughs> so that's part of the adrenaline, right? Mm-hmm. Like your emotions are like heightened. So, and I'm already an emotional person to begin with. And I'm like, damn it, Jesse, <laughs> you're going to make me cry right here on this show. And um, it was just such a good answer. And I'm so proud of her. And, and she just, she killed it. And um, the, her and Chris were just great guests. So yeah. And um, I mean, it was great. And then, you know, I told you and I shared with the Panatic members what happened to me after the show um, with, you know, some new listeners that I hadn't met before that, you know, barely made it to the show. And um, just that, that, that one, like after almost losing it on the show, I lost it when I was out. Like when I talked to them, I was like, that was it. I just broke down like right there. So it was, it was great. Like it, I break down in the best way possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Just that, um, you know, the emotions just kind of came to a head there at the end. And, um, I don't know, I guess that's why we do it. Like just to, you know, make people like enjoy like pens and writing and the community as a whole being so supportive of that and wanting to do like special things for you or you know just you know getting feedback from them and you know the the, all the kind words i don't know it's super meaningful like you don't ever go into something thinking that this is the way it's going to be and when it does it's pretty fantastic so that was the atlanta pen show for 2019 um we'll we'll follow up when the video is posted but uh yeah we'll put this one to bed for a year it's another success thank you to everybody who helped make it happen this episode is brought to you by pen chalet they sell authentic amazing rollables fountain pens ballpoints mechanical pencils pen holders refills fountain pen converters carrying cases and so much more from all of your favorite brands whether you want to buy pens from Pelican, you want to buy ink from Sailor, or maybe you want to buy some of those fancy new Kavecos, they're an authorized dealer of all of your favorite brands, and they and Pen Chalet believe in high-quality pens, uh, low prices, for 100% satisfaction guarantee. They do free shipping on orders of over $50 in the U.S., and they sell internationally with reasonable shipping rates too. They're adding new styles of pens every single month, and they run special discounts twice a month and close-out specials every two weeks as well. So go to penchalet.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PENADDICT for this week's special offer and to get the code you need to save 10% on anything at PenChalet. We have a deal, uh, a couple of deals that Ron wanted me to point out this week. Um, on the Conklin All-American in Raven Black and the Caveco Art Sport. These are prices so good, I can't tell you what they are. You have to go see them. Um, so you go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. Click the podcast link at the top of the website and use the password PENADDICT to get your hands on these special offers. And also for the code that you need to save 10% on anything at the Pen Chalet. So they, will, they, they, they hook you up. Hook up those pen addict listeners. Is there anything else that's caught your eye, Brad? Uh, no, the art sport especially is a crazy good price. These are a very premium 
Kaveco, and I know a lot of people kind of balk at like the standard price, and there were some at the pin show this weekend, and like I picked them up, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's great. I just can't do that, you know, for essentially the price of the Leonardo, at least in that ballpark. Um, this price is not. <laughs> this price is <laughs> is way down there, so it's pretty impressive. And there's also a, a he has a pin in here called the Visconti Vertigo, which I'm not familiar with. It looks like kind of an upgraded uh, Van Gogh. It's kind of nice. I know you're not the big Visconti clip guy, but these swirls on this and the shape of this, I'm coming around on some of the uh, more reasonably priced Viscontis. I'm going to have to start mixing those into my rotation a little bit because I'm some of the newer pins that they're coming out with, they're doing a good job at kind of matching the price point to, you know, the, the expected price point to the real price point, um, mm -hmm. you know, where as usually they, they would kind of, you know, really be proud of their pricing. Now they're getting into a more realistic price range and, offering a really good quality pin. So I'm going to have to start uh, paying a little bit more attention to what Visconti's doing this year. Our thanks to Pen Chalet for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, we got a little bit of pin addict and pin addict. We we have some pin addict to discuss here on the pin addict, Mike. I'm not sure if you know we're about just, that. I don't know if you could have noticed, but we are mm. just not. We're like firing at about seventy five percent today. Yeah, we've got some pen addict to do here. <laughs> this episode comes around quickly <laughs> because even though we recorded Sunday night, I didn't get home till Monday night. You didn't get home till Tuesday, and yeah. here we go again. So, how about some ass TPA, Michael? What, what do you a think? great idea! The first question comes from. Quinton. Any plans to cover or attend smaller pen shows, which generally feature more vintage pens, such as the Ohio Pen Show? I was wondering while planning to attend this year's show if that's something on your radar. Yeah, it's not an aversion to these shows at all, or smaller pen shows. It's just time and travel, right? I mean, this stuff costs money to go to yep. and Especially and time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and time. So, you know, I can't do 10 shows a year, but I could maybe swing five. And sometimes those five are kind of the same I've done before because they're regionally close. They match up with the schedule. Um, you know, and I can afford to make the trip out. So... You know, it's not any type of aversion to any show on the calendar. It's just what works. You know, I'm dying to get to Philadelphia. They've redone that show completely over the last three three years, and I can't make it work. Right? I would like to go to you know Ohio. You know, I'd like to go to St. Louis. I just sometimes it's just kind of how it works out. I think eventually I'll get to them all. Like I want to get to them all. So we will continue to figure out how how to get to them all and uh hope to see you soon one of these years quentin the inky side asks i recently pulled out two bottles of noodler's ink that are sat unused for a while bulletproof black and liberty's elysian both have a layer of particles in the bottom of the bottle what is this is it settled dye from saturated ink mold something else yeah, it's it's most likely just pigment. This will this is not even a noodler's thing. This is an any ink thing when you're making an ink. If they sit for a while, the particles inside the bottle can settle a little bit, a little bit of just sh shake it up and it's going to be fine. It's not mold or anything that's going to cause a problem. This is actually a normal um, thing for the ink. What's not normal is if you get a layer of crud on the top of the ink layer. That's when you're going to have an issue, and that's when you're going to consider um, dumping that ink out. So things settling to the bottom of the ink bottle, good. Things rising to the top of the ink bottle, bad. All right, next question comes from uh, Devin. What ink would you pair with the Twisby Aurora? 
So our friend Kat, who was behind us most of the pin show, had her Twisby Aurora with her. Yep. And I forgot to spend some time with it on Sunday. She showed me like first thing on Friday, and I was really impressed with it. It had a... I, the only way to describe it is it had a firmer feel than I expected. You know, I almost felt like a soft celluloid feel based on the pictures, but it was a firmer kind of clicky acrylic. Like if you tapped your fingernails on it, um, it was that type of feel. It was imp- it was impressive. Like the build was impressive. Yeah, so, I was uh, a little bit disappointed with the nib. It's t- it look it's too small. Uh, mm-hmm. The pen body is way too big, and the nib looks out of proportion. Um, and I get they're probably just like reusing some stuff, like because again, this is a pretty fair price pen for what they're offering. But that like yeah. immediately jumped out to me is like, well, this looks weird. <laughs> yeah, but I think overall, like just before we even get to the ink, and I'm actually buying myself time because I don't have a great answer. I think this was a great first attempt from Twisby. I mean, I think they 100%. knocked out knocked out the product and the price point. I would be shocked if they're able to keep this price point i would be very happy if they were um and i i hope that's the beginning of a great product line around there so the ink i don't see any way to not put a green ink in here have you do you have any thoughts with that mike like would you put a non-green ink in this pen i'm a matchy matchy person i i I know what i'm putting in there if i had this pen it would be emerald or chivour really yeah Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that, and like, I there's no way I would put that in there just because it's blue. I don't know. This this no, is just me. Green, but I don't. Mm. That looks green is to it? me. Yeah. Well, it's also called emerald. It looks green to me. <laughs> uh, I I know yeah. it's kind of like maybe on the line a little bit, but the reason I would put it in there, a couple of reasons. One, I own mm. it, and two, yeah, uh, I feel like this pen deserves something with a bit of shimmer and sheen to it. I get that. But this is more of a straight-up green ink pen, like Mont Blanc Irish green to me. Like a bright, not quite Kelly green, but almost that way. Like a very, I'm a very, I would pick a very traditional green ink for this pen. Like I would pick blue-black for like some more basic pens. Even though this pen has a lot of color and character, I'm picking a bright green but not a yellow green like a Mont Blanc Irish green that's what I see as this and I say this as not a big green ink fan like that's one of the ink colors like I'm trying to become more in tune with you like I see bright greens in this pen's future for me like if I was inking it up so we'll see it's a very it's it's such a pretty pen so I'll, I'll 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 scope around see what other people are using in in this pen so um yeah Next one from Cameron J. I've been using a Pilot Kakuna with a fine nib every day for nine months now, and I love it. And I'm looking into possible upgrades. I like the shape, size, shape and size, especially the angular barrel, but could see going with something that weighs a bit more. Do you have any recommendations? Sub one hundred dollars. I think it's the Twisby Eco. Like I feel guilty saying that because I say it all the time. That's that pen is so good. I would buy that pen over the Twisby 580. I think these days, it's just that good of a pen. It's enough of an upgrade from the Kakuno to be a difference maker. Um, yeah, I mean it's way under a hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like, you know, I still you know have difficulty in the 
70 to 100 dollar range finding something really really good like you can get the pilot 3077 and six with a gold nib if you shop enough um in the upper and you know for 80 bucks or something like if you want to do that i think that's an option otherwise i think you go with something like the twisby eco i mean there's lots of fun pins in this price range but as far as something better i i just love the eco so much and uh, speaking of which, we did, I meant to put it in the show notes. They have a translucent orange cap eco coming, Mike. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a good one. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes for n- next week because there's actually a topic I want to discuss around that. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you on the eco. I think the eco is the st- it's, it's my default starter pen now. Like I think yeah. that's the pen. That I think you, it's that, that or you. For. I think it's that or you go up to the um, thirty-seven seventy-six that you can find if you look not mm. all that hard enough. So that's my answer to that. All right. Our next question comes in uh, from Catherine P. Is there a model of the Sino DX, Signal DX, I can't remember which one, that uses, uh, is there a model of the Signal DX that uses that refill but is a click, click mechanism? I feel like yes, but I can't find it for sure. Basically, Catherine wants a click mechanism for the Signal DX. There is not. And that has always been traditionally the issue with people wanting to use that pin the closest you can get is called the uniball signo rt1 which is a fantastic pin in its own right it comes in a huge range of colors it comes in all the tip sizes that the dx comes in but it is not the same writing experience and that's kind of unfair it's like comparing an amazingly good pen with a near perfect pen. You know, if the DX is a 10 out of 10, the RT one's like a 9.5 out of 10, but I can tell the difference when I write with them. It's not exactly the same. It's close enough though, to where you will very, very much enjoy using the RT one, but there is no such thing as a DX retractable pen. Well, Haven asks, Sailor nib designation is confusing me. Is there a difference between the HF and F nib designation? I can't find anything definitive online. The H version doesn't seem to exist in their catalog. It's confusing to me too, Junie. I don't understand. And I I thought I had it down for a while. And then the more consistency I see with the H designations on the nib, the more I question myself. So I actually want to do some more research into this. I'm not comfortable committing to anything that they're doing with the nibs right now other than it doesn't seem to be like there's a any type of variance um unless you get into the soft designations the h designations almost seem like stock but i'm not going to commit to that until i do some more research um on it because it feels like the standard nib to me and finally, Framanator asks, I really like the Juice Point three eight refill. Can you recommend a better barrel that won't break the bank? Yeah, so the Juice is the best G Pilot G2 compatible refill there is. And if you're looking for a Pilot G2 compatible pin, your options are pretty wide and varied if you want to go into like a machined Kickstarter type pin. So like the Keras Custom Retract or the Tactile Turn Mover. Um, those are kind of my first first two choices. Um, they're in that $40, $50, $60 range, I think. So, But shop around anything that fits the Pilot G2, not the Parker G2. There is, Don't get confused there. Anything that will fit a Pilot G2 gel, the Juice is the, a, an exact match for that. And I like what Keras Customs and Tactile Turn do for an upgraded barrel for the Juice. 
Is that it? Are we done today? Uh, that is it, buddy. All right. Well, if you want to find our show notes for this week, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 354. Thank you so much to our wonderful sponsors, the fine folk over at Moo and the even more wonderful people over at Pen Chalet as well. We have lots of wonderful sponsors. Mm, here so in wonderful. Penaddict. We love them all. Uh, if you'd like to find Brad online, you can go to penaddict.com. You can find him there. You can go to knock.co. He is at dowdyism on Twitter. Uh, penaddict on Instagram. Brad, are you streaming? We might do an unboxing stream tomorrow if I can get caught up on everything. Like I'm doing a pretty good job getting caught up. And always after a pen show, I always have boxes full of stuff. So mm-hmm. dis- despite all the madness that came home with me from this show, I have pulled aside four separate packages that I have not opened just in case I get time to stream this week. So uh, look right. out for that. That's at twitch.tv slash penaddict. That's where you'd be able to find that. Uh, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Follow me on Instagram. It'd be great if you could. I would like that very much. Um, this show is part of Relay FM. There are many shows here at Relay FM that you may enjoy. So you can pick one of those up for your uh, your podcast listening pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Pen Addict. We'll be back bright and fresh next week. Until <laughs> then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>